We're happy to have this episode sponsored by Real Mushrooms. You probably already know about some of the great benefits of adding mushrooms to your diet, like better sleep, greater mental clarity, and a stronger immune system, but not all mushroom products are equal. Real Mushrooms is the real deal. Many mushroom companies harvest the mushroom and the grain it's growing on. Real Mushrooms products contain no grains or starch fillers. They're organic, cultivated naturally, and third-party verified for beta-glucans, the compound that makes them so valuable as a supplement. They even have a science and medical team of doctors who ensure that Real Mushrooms meets the highest standards. What I personally love is how informative their website is. Have questions about what mushroom is right for you? They have a robust blog with articles ranging from women's health to what mushrooms are most beneficial to your pet. Want to boost your immune system? Have better sleep and feel more calm? Grab the link in the show notes and get 25% off of your first order. Curiously enough, acupuncture is not just sticking needles into people. It's part of a coherent and observation-based medicine that experienced practitioners of the art have handed down over the centuries. I'm Michael Max, your host and guide of Everyday Acupuncture. Listen in as we explore how you can apply the principles of this ancient medicine in your everyday life. Everybody, welcome back to the show. Today, I've got Trevor Erickson with me. Trevor is a registered doctor of Chinese medicine in the Vancouver, British Columbia area. That means that he practices acupuncture and Chinese herbal medicine, and he specializes in dermatology. So today, our conversation is going to get into why you want to work on the inside when you're working with problems that are appearing on the outside. Trevor, welcome to Everyday Acupuncture. Hi, Michael. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. I've been looking forward to having this conversation because dermatology is such an interesting area. And and the way that we approach this in Chinese medicine is so different than the way that it's approached with Western medicine. I want to begin by asking you how you got involved with this particular aspect of Chinese medicine. Sure, absolutely. Well, I mean, I'm fascinated by the skin, maybe because it's just, it's right in your face and you can, you know, it's the first thing we see when we see people. And so changes to the skin have always fascinated me. But the the main reason I got into dermatology was actually a a story related to my wife. So uh, we started dating, oh my goodness, maybe uh, 16 years ago or something like that. She's probably going to correct me (laughs) later when she hears this, but uh, when I first met her, she, like many of my patients now, she had uh, atopic eczema. So she had um, eczema all over most of her body. She was age 22 at the time, and she had really tried everything. She'd had it since she was a baby, and she was at a place when I met her. She was like, you know, I have eczema. I've tried everything. I've, you know, I've eliminated 500 foods from my diet. It didn't make any difference. I used this cream and that cream. And, and, and at the end of the day, she was like, I've just come to a place where I just have to accept that that's what I have. And I am a person with eczema. And I said, well, have you ever tried Chinese medicine? Because at the time, 
I was seeing a doctor of Chinese medicine in the Vancouver area who I quite uh, respected and and had done nice things for me, not skin related, but um, other conditions. And um, and I said, had you ever tried? You know, maybe uh, maybe it would be worth a try. He said, no, I had. I've never tried Chinese medicine, but you know what? I've tried everything, and and it's not. Uh, I have just have to learn to accept my condition. And so I actually, I worked on her for about a year. I, I kept reminding her, you know, you should really try Chinese medicine because I'd watch her suffer and be really itchy and flare up and down. It was, you know, eczema can be a very, very uncomfortable condition. Finally, after a year of dating, she said, okay, I'm willing to give this a try. And we went in to uh, see uh, my first mentor, I guess, uh, Dr. Kingston Wu in the Vancouver area. And he, he diagnosed her. He looked at her skin. He took her pulse, looked at her tongue, all these kind of cool things that we do. And then wrote up a herbal prescription for her that she was to take home and cook up as a tea. And I, and I say within two to three months, she was cleared completely. She had no eczema left on her body whatsoever. Two to three months. Amazingly quick, considered she'd had it most of her life. And, you know, she was, she was amazed. Her parents were amazed. I mean, her, all of her extended family were like, wow. I mean, they... Yeah, I'm a I'm a dad of I've got three kids and I tell you when en- watching them get anything anything wrong with them it just <laughs> tears at my heartstrings right and imagine um, you know their her parents seeing her suffer with that eczema for so long and then finally it was clear and so you know she used to the first thing she used to come up to me and she'd put grab my hand and put it on her skin on her arm and say Trevor feel this I have I have soft skin now she said. You know, I never thought I would have soft skin. I always thought I had to have this dry, rough skin all my life. And, you know, it just, it blew her mind. So, but she continued to take herbs for probably a year to year and a half because she also had asthma, exercise induced and to cats and different different uh, allergens. And those things often go together, don't they? Eczema and asthma. They do. We call it the atopic triad. So it's eczema or, or, or eczema. Uh, allergic rhinitis or hay fever, and then and asthma. And my wife had all of them. I mean, she, you know, her her hay fever actually used to be the worst in the fall. And and I remember, you know, we wake up in the morning, and and the and the morning ritual was cleaning up that whole roll of toilet paper that she used through the night to, you know, to stop the 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 drip of her nose. And so anyway, she, you know, she worked with uh, Dr. Wu for this year to year and a half using herbal medicines every day. She was very committed. And so not only did her eczema clear up, but so the asthma got much, much better. Um, didn't go away entirely, but she, like my parents used to have a cat and we would go visit them. And, I, you know, within 10 minutes or so, she's like, Trevor, I got to go outside. Like, I'm, I can't breathe. And, you know, it was really quite bad. We'd go hiking up a small hill in the woods, and she would have to stop every few hundred yards because she was out of breath and wheezing. So what happened with their asthma is it she could actually go hiking and have no problem, no exercise-induced asthma whatsoever. Depending on the time of year and the, time, and the type of cat, she could actually be in a house for hours and not have any trouble with asthma. And in fact, when she did her midwifery uh, practicum, she stayed at a house uh, where the people owned a cat and she slept in the children's old bedroom and it was there was bunk beds in there. And a cat used to live on the top bunk and she lived on the bottom and she had no issue. She had There was no problem with, with asthma. Just every once in a while, certain cat, certain time of year, she would still get it and she still gets it to this day, but much, much reduced. And the, and the hay fever totally went away. And the other cool thing is she used to have anaphylaxis where her throat would swell up 
to uh, eating certain foods like dairy, eggs, salmon, and a couple other things. So she had to avoid these things for her life and, and uh, because otherwise she would be rushed to the hospital and pumped with adrenaline and all these different drugs. And through that treatment, actually, she was found she could eat dairy and eggs again. And to this day, she still eats dairy and eggs every day and loves them, but she can't eat salmon. So, you know, what it showed me seeing this, all these amazing changes with my wife is, you know, she took all these medicines for a year to a year and a half, and then she stopped. And she was clear of any type of eczema. Her asthma was much, much reduced. Her hay fever totally gone. She can now eat dairy and eggs when she, they would kill her before. After she stopped the medicine, it stayed like that for well over 10 to 12 years. And she only got a little bit of eczema uh, when my son, who's now almost five, was born. It was a bit of a traumatic birth. And a little bit came up again, I think, on her arm, but just a tiny little bit. And it was controlled very easily and, and I think is not even there anymore. So I saw... I had the you know firsthand experience to see the power of Chinese medicine, what it can really, really do. It's an area, I mean, chronic skin disease is an area that stumps most doctors, um, you know, in the alternative world, including in the, the Western world. I mean, really, all we have is steroid creams and antibiotics. Right. I mean, it's basically a symptomatic treatment to attempt to control it. But as far as getting at the root... Uh, it's just not so much there. So this leads me to the big question that I think a lot of people might have, which is, okay, you've got this issue and it's on the outside of the body. How come you're treating it from the inside? What What's going on here? Can you kind of open up the Chinese medicine thinking and uh, tell us why you work on the interior to affect the exterior? And what are you working on anyway in there? Good question. Um, in, even in our Western world, we know that a condition like eczema is coming from the inside out. We know that actually it's an imbalance in the immune system that is causing this problem. But the problem is, in the Western world, knowing that doesn't mean we know what to do very well. So, you know, the, the medicines used to work on a skin disease like eczema from the inside out are way too strong and way too dangerous, like prednisone, internal steroids, like so they're reserved for worst case scenarios. So, so you know what we do in the Western world is just use these steroids on the top of the skin, you band-aid it down, and it never really goes away. And in fact, might make it worse. But in Chinese medicine, you know, we have so many cool things to use from the inside out, and 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 I mean, it it just makes sense, really. All right, we. We know that the health of the skin is as a result of the health of the inside of the body, the, the, the nutritional status of the body. What is going on on the inside is reflect outward in the skin, and, and we're going to see it. So working from the inside out is, is very important. And actually, the, one of the earliest herbal formulas ever written in the world was for the treatment of skin disease. I think it was from the Ma Wangdui Tun Dig in Hunan province in China, was, they found an old book, scrolls of, of all these old recipes and, and diseases. And I think over 50% of the diseases they found in this book is from about 300 BC was skin disease. And in that was a treatment of a certain skin disease. I think it was for some type of abscess that was a, a collection of seven herbs mixed together. And so this idea of using some medicine from the inside in Chinese medicine to treat skin disease is very old, you know, 2,000 plus years old. 
And so, you know, the way I look at it is two parts, right? We always, in Chinese medicine, we're always thinking yin-yang. There's always these these two opposites. You know, on one side, we have uh, a condition, the body is is weak, it can't deal with things properly. So if it's, say, a, a chronic infection, like a, someone has uh, folliculitis, they have all these pustules and, and, and um, issues in the hair follicle on their legs or on their head or whatever, and it just keeps coming and coming and coming. On the one side, we'd say, well, the body is not strong enough to deal with this infection. It can't deal with it, so it just keeps coming back. So what we need to do is we need to boost the body. We need to give the body, uh, help the body along to become strong again so it can deal with these infections. On the other side, there might be something that is in the body that is uh, blocking the normal function. The, the ability for the body to be strong is being blocked by you know, some kind of pathogen that is blocking that. And and so a part of treatment will be getting rid of this pathogen, getting rid of this thing that is built up in the body that is harassing the body. We need to get it out of the body and then the body can return back to normal function. And I think skin disease is very much like that. So we look at these things. You know, one one thing we'll say and that I look for a lot of my patients is something like dampness. So, you know, dampness is this amazing concept in Chinese medicine, which I, I just truly love, and I'm constantly learning more and more about. But this idea that there's this fluid that is being, um, that has been stuck in the body, that is in places where it shouldn't be, and it's, uh, and it's causing havoc. So it's fluid that has, rather than being incorporated into the cells to create normal nourishment or be let out through the urine and, and however else, it's getting lodged in uh, different areas. So it could get into the joints and cause joint pain like arthritis. It could get into the lungs, cause asthma. It can get into the muscles and cause heaviness and fatigue. Or it can get into the digestion and cause diarrhea or a sluggish digestion, heaviness, bloating, all these things. Or it gets into the skin and causes disease. And it can cause swelling. It can cause, um, you know, weepage of fluid. All, you know, all these things. And so part of Chinese medicine will be looking for it. Is there any dampness that's there? Is there this fluid gotten stuck in the skin? And then we have these great remedies to uh, herbal medicines to help drain it out, to get it to come out of the skin and get back to where it's supposed to be, maybe get it out of the body or get it back into normal nourishment. And then that can calm down. And it's it's interesting. In Western medicine, they have an idea of a concept called spongiosis. It's where the, the skin tissue it, it becomes more perforated and it becomes like a sponge and uh, and had traps moisture in there. And so actually, Western medicine in dermatology has this idea, very similar to Chinese medicine, of dampness being stuck in the skin. But again, they don't necessarily know what to do about it. Whereas in West, Chinese medicine, we have all these great herbs that are designed specifically for bringing extra fluid out of the skin to, to get it out of there and, and allow the skin to return to normal health. So I don't know, a, a part of it is looking for um, things in the body that are built up that shouldn't be there, get them out using herbal medicines from the inside out. And then on the other side, it's, well, is the body strong enough to perform the functions it needs to do? And then using some medicines to, to get things to, to strengthen it. For me, one of the real beauties of Chinese medicine, that it can look at one single condition, let's say eczema, since, since that's been the topic so far this morning, and it can come, like you just described, it can come from an 
a condition where there's excess, there's too much of something, and that's causing stagnation and blockage and toxicity, or it can come from a weakness. And while you look at the skin, you might be looking at one thing on the skin, it could come from two very different etiologies. And so the herbs that we use and the treatment that we use will be incredibly different, vastly different, actually opposite. That's right. That's right. That's, that's one of the strengths of Chinese medicine is that the treatment's always tailored to the patient. So, you know, no two patients will necessarily get the same herbal formula that they will drink or same treatment, even though they have the same condition. And, and that, that's the core to Chinese medicine, I think, which is, is a strength that we have. It's very, very good. And, and, and as you say, someone might be really fatigued and weak and so but have eczema so a part of treatment is we need to to build them up and and strengthen them and then that helps the eczema to clear or they might be full of toxicity and and heat and all these things and we'll use herbal medicines to uh to drain that you know one of my early teachers used to say and i love this is that chinese herbal medicine it's a more refined approach at dealing with inflammation what he meant by like that is that anyone will say eczema will say they have inflammation. Their skin is red, it's itchy, it's swollen perhaps, it's maybe painful, it feels hot when you put your hand over top of it. These are all the we call the cardinal signs of inflammation. But the Western treatment is, it doesn't matter, it, they'll just say, oh, it's inflammation, it's eczema. Just use a steroid because steroids stop the inflammatory process. It stops inflammation. So that's that's it. It's a kind of it's a it's a one-sized uh, medicine to treat any kind of inflammation. Whereas Chinese medicine, what I'm doing when I'm looking at my patient, not only am I looking at their overall health. So I'll, does the patient is the patient constipated or do they have diarrhea? Just those two things alone will greatly alter my treatment approach to them and the herbs that I choose. But also just what I'm seeing on the skin. So if they have a lot of fluid weeping out. Well, then I tailor make that prescription to deal with that fluid, which is one part of the inflammation. If it's that they have pain, not everybody with uh, eczema has pain, but some people do. They get a kind of a burning pain. Well, I can use medicines that are tailored towards helping to reduce that uh, pain. If it's that they have a lot of crazy itch that's worse at you know a certain time at night, then I can tailor make that medicine to more focus on that type of itch you know is it dry is it wet is it swollen is it flat all these kinds of things you know they're all signs of inflammation but i'm tailoring my prescription to focus on the little aspects of that of the inflammatory process in a much more detailed way than just slapping on a steroid on one size fits all exactly because while it appears as inflammation there's when you look a little more closely like you've just described we can see that there are some subtle differences. You know, I suspect you've had patients say this to you. I know I've had them say it to me. They go, hey, this has worked really well for me. Thank you. Um, I'm, is it okay if I share this with my cousin or my sister or my, you know, whatever? And it's like, well, if it's exactly the same as your presentation, we could consider that. But if just because they've got these issues with their skin, it doesn't mean that the underlying cause is the same. And if you give the wrong herbs, just like you give the right herbs, you can see some really good effects. If you give the wrong herbs, you can actually make a situation worse. That's right. That's right. That, you know, my, uh, my teacher, Mazen Al-Kafaji, he used to say exactly that. So, uh, you know, and ex eczema is a very uh, classic idea. And I see this in my clinic. I, I mean, I just had a patient um, a couple months ago that 
I mean, she had very damp uh, type of, uh, of eczema on her arms and hands. So very lots of fluid seeping out and then scabbing. So she had these yellow brown scabs all over her arms. Very we call wet eczema. And she had been seeing someone from before me who was just giving a, a herbal formula. And it se- appeared to be making her worse. And I looked at the formula. And what I could see is there's all these medicines that are used to, uh, say, promote sweating and push things out of the skin. And it's known in dermatology as if it's really damp. You don't want to do that. You want to actually, you want to take that dampness, get it to circulate, and then help it come out through the inside of the body, say, through the urine. So, you know, different directions. So just, you know, in herbal medicine, obviously, we're thinking about the direction. How are we going to get this pathogen out? Are we going to make it go out directly out of the skin, or are we going to make it come out? from the inside out, say, through the pooping or, or through urination. And that was the case. And so one treatment was actually making it worse. As soon as we adjust the treatment, it she got much better really, really fast. And that's common. People will, will you know, do the, exactly as you say. They'll say, well, I'm going to use this. Can I use this on my uh, nephew? And and then and it doesn't work or, yeah, they, they can very well get worse. So I'm always yeah, I'm cautious. I tell people, you be very careful. These are things that it, it need to be tailor fit to get the best result and the best safety for sure. You know, it's interesting. Uh, as we're talking about this, it, I'm reminded of how so often we look at symptoms and we go, oh, that's bad. We've got to get rid of this. And yet there's, there's an aspect of symptoms that it's a, it's a representation of the body doing the best it can with the resources it has to clear some kind of a problem. That's right. I mean, the body is always trying to do the best it can. Now, sometimes us in our lives, we think we're, we're working on a solution to something and we find that we've just created a bigger problem for ourselves. And, and that's simply because we're doing the best we can, but we might be taking something in the wrong direction. So like with skin, the body's trying to clear something through the skin. And indeed, there's times when you do want to push things out through the skin. But like you were just describing, there's other times you actually want to take that excess fluid or that stagnant fluid or toxicity and take it out through a different channel, the stool or the urine, you know, are, are the usual ways that we do that. That's right. That's right. You know, that that's a part, a big part of Chinese medicine for me is uh, is going, okay, what's there? What am I dealing with? And then what's the best way to get rid of it? So if it's something like too much heat in the body, we look at that and go, okay, well, where is that heat and how do I get it out? Do I vent it out through sweating or through the pores of the skin or do I poop it out? Do I urinate it out? In the olden days, they'd, probably, they'd even use vomiting, but we don't use that uh, that much anymore because it's a bit drastic. But that's this idea. We only have so many avenues to get these things out. And so we, we, you know, we go, okay, well, what's the easiest? What's the most safest and best route to get it out? Or do we transform it, get the body to go to uh, use up that fluid and, 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 and transform something bad into good? And all these kinds of things. It's, it's fa- Dermatology is fascinating to me because... You know, it's so visual. I photograph all my patients. And then, you know, at every visit, we get to sit down and we look at the pictures of their journey and go, okay, are you getting better? Are you getting worse? Is it the same? And it, it's just so visual. It's so objective for uh, both the doctor and the patient to see. And I and I absolutely love it. I think herbal medicine is, is fascinating. And and also this idea of symptoms. The, the great thing of Chinese medicine, I find, is we're also creating a puzzle, aren't we? I mean, we, we, we're taking the, you know, you have... You have all these, you have itching, 
But at the same time, you have uh, diarrhea and uh, a headache and fatigue and, and all these kinds of things. And we'll put them all together to give us an idea of what's happening rather than just focusing on the itch, right? That the, all these collection of symptoms are adding up to some big puzzle. And, and I had a woman uh, a couple of days ago who had uh, this a burning mouth or burning tongue uh, syndrome. And she had seen all these specialists and everyone just looked at her tongue. <laughs> and and it, they didn't ask her anything about her digestion. They didn't ask her anything about her sleep or all these, or if she has headaches or, or the fact that she also has rosacea or what her menstrual cycle used to be like before menopause. And so when I asked all these questions, this light bulb went on in her head and went, wow, actually, there's a lot of these things are really connected, aren't they? And I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure out. What's all connected and what is this leading us to? And so I, we can design that tailor fit uh, treatment. And, and that's something I really like about Chinese medicine. We don't just focus on that one little area. We, we're focusing on a bigger picture to, to get an understanding of how to best deal with it. Yeah, it is, it is interesting just in going through the process so we can understand watching someone's eyes light up as they realize, oh, you know, I've got these three different things. And I just thought I had three different things. And, and all of a sudden, you notice that they're drawing their own connections between how these things interact with each other. Which brings me to another question that I've got, which is, what are things that people can do for themselves to help with skin conditions? I mean, it, you know, it's great to go to a, a practitioner who can help you and take whatever medicine might be useful. But that's just one piece of the puzzle. Are there things that folks can do in their everyday life, either with diet or lifestyle, that, is, that would be helpful? And since we're on the topic of eczema, let's, let's just stick with eczema. Sure. You know, I think there is. You know, what I say, something like eczema is, uh, especially when we, we call it atopic eczema, allergic eczema, you know, this is a very stubborn condition that often is genetic. It's something they've inherited. It's in their genome, and they'll probably have it for life. I mean, I, I never like to tell someone that, but it's very true. But just because, well, what I say is they have the tendency to have it for their life. They might not actually, like my wife had no eczema for over, well over 10 years, but she still has that tendency to still maybe want to come back at certain times in her life if she's not careful. And so, and usually these things start early babyhood, you know, age three months kind of idea. And it can be terrifying to a, pa a parent to see that in their child. So one of the things I see the most is people come in and they're now they're covered head to toe and and I'll inquire and I'll go well you know it's really bad right now well where did it start well I had a little bit on the cheek or my my son you know my two month two year old son had a little bit on their cheek and then what had happened is and what I find often is the condition wasn't managed properly and then it it like a wildfire. It just bred everywhere, and all of a sudden, it's all over the whole body. So a big part of what I try to get my patients to do is, is to just be more aware of trying to get either preventing it from coming up in the first place or finding ways that can help minimize it to keep it down when it's still small. It's safe ways. So you know, rather than having to use a steroid or things like this that can have lots of side effects if we use them long term. So one thing I see with patients with eczema is going back to this, is it a dry eczema or a wet eczema? If we learn these kind of tools, then we can also learn how to adjust, say, an external treatment to help. So, for instance, I had a baby last week who's covered head to toe, 
with a really bad eczema now. But when I inquired, she said, oh, it was just a little bit on the cheeks, you know, just whatever by at Christmas time. And then I said, well, what did you do when it was like that? Well, I put on this really greasy cream. It's a natural cream, she said, but it was, you know, it's obviously really greasy. And so that's one of the first things I'll say is if the skin, if eczema is wet and it's weeping, you don't put anything greasy on there. Uh, uh, In our culture, Vaseline would be the main thing people use. And because what that's doing is going to trap more heat. It's going to trap more moisture in there that that will putrefy and, you know, get collect bacteria or whatever. And then then the body has a reaction to that. And then it starts appearing. It'll start appearing uh, to have eczema everywhere else. And so when it's wet, I say use something that you know, that's the time when we'll use something more um, dry, like I'll use uh, like a liquid tea of some sort, uh, even even black tea, actually, you can cook uh, black tea, and and then uh, put a cloth in the black tea and wring it out and just put that on. Uh, if it's a small eczema that's weeping, that'll often help. But you don't want to put anything too greasy that's going to trap. If it's the other way, if it's really dry and, and red, then maybe you can use something a bit greasier because that will help to uh, bring moisture back in the skin. So the main idea here is that we want to do something proper when it's small so that it doesn't spread because that's the most common reason I see that people have widespread eczema is because it wasn't controlled when it was small. Other things then would be a diet or lifestyle place. So, you know, these are basics, right? Like I tell people this isn't rocket science. Make sure you're getting proper sleep. Uh, How are you managing your stress? Do you feel competent in your life or do you feel constantly that you, you can never keep up and things are too much you know look at look at these things and, and try to adjust take walks in nature um go to the beach go walk in a forest uh, meditate uh, exercise uh, write in a journal read a book all these kinds of things are going to really help there you know there's a there's a field a new field in western medicine called neurodermatology it's this idea that of how the nervous system is connected to the skin and how stress of any sort can directly lead to inflammation in the skin. And so by living a good lifestyle, keeping our stress in check or our ability to deal with stress is going to be really important for the health of the skin. And so again, proper sleep, you know, getting out for a nice walk, exercise, reading a book, writing in a journal, you know, learning good communication skills so we don't harbor uh, resents inside ourselves are are very important for the health of the skin and then diet of course and diet i'm very simple with it's like you know eat real food you know michael pollan is one of my heroes and and he says is you know eat real food stay away from industrialized junk food as much as possible eat mostly vegetables you know maybe 50 percent of the diet be a wide range of uh, good quality fresh colorful vegetables and don't eat too much. Just you know, don't try not to overeat. You know, allow the the what you have eaten to, to properly be digested, and uh, and then in there, you know, uh, eat with joy. You know, food is supposed to be pleasure. One thing I see with people is that we've intellectualized our diet way too much. Everybody, I mean, they they they're seeing more and more people are seeing their food as as a problem than as something that should be enjoyed. We you know. We never thought about these things uh, historically. We we ate and we trusted that what we ate would grow us into strong, healthy people. It created community to sit all around together and enjoy a meal. And and I think this is we have to bring these principles back into our lives. 
you know, but at the same time thinking, well, normal eating doesn't mean eating, you know, a big bag of potato chips every single day. You know, maybe once in a while, a special occasion, we'll have some, some potato chips. But, it, it, you know, eat real food on a daily basis. That is good. Keep sugar low, you know, uh, avoid eating too much sugar. We have this idea in Chinese medicine that too much sugar can uh, is creates a bit of sludge in the digestion, it slows down the digestion, and then we get this uh, dampness, this extra fluid building up. And I, as I said, this dampness will seep into the skin. So keep sugar down. I hope you've enjoyed the first half of the show. Now it's time for a word from our sponsor. That would be you. You could support the effort here by popping over to everydayacupuncturepodcast.com and click on the link to support the show and leave a few dollars that will help to keep some inspiration in the teacup. You know, we run on only the finest oolong and poorer teas here at Everyday Acupuncture Podcast Central. No point in going all NPR pledge drive here to remind you that teas like that don't come cheaply. Just know that if you like the show, you can express your appreciation for these interviews with a small donation. As always, I love to get your feedback and ideas for future shows, so send those along too. Thanks again for listening, and now on to the second half of the show. I agree. There's there's so many conditions that I find that I treat people for that if they would back off the sugar, the condition will basically go away by itself. That's in many cases, it's so true. And, you know, especially in youngsters, I mean, I, I see a lot of babies and children with eczema and I look at what they're, they're, they're given pop, they're given uh, whatever Kit Kat, you know, bars, candy bars, and they're, they're not even two years old yet. And it's, and it's like, you know, please, you know, the first thing you can do is to cut that out. You know the difference between breakfast cereal and cookies, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> What's the difference? You tell me. I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> the size. Right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, so when in working with people, in working with their skin, in what ways do you see sugar exacerbating skin problems? And are there any skin problems in particular that seem to get particularly exacerbated with sugar? Well, acne for sure, I think, is probably the main one. And, you know, acne in a Western sense, we know, um, is related to the overproduction of uh, grease, so oil coming out of the sebaceous glands in the face. And, and what is stimulating those sebaceous glands are hormones, so both estrogen or testosterone, so are we call the sex hormones. Those sex hormones are being stimulated often from insulin, and insulin is being stimulated from sugar, <laughs> or can be. So, you know, when we eat too much sugar, we're, we're stimulating insulin, and then, which is thus stimulating the sex hormones to produce more grease, that grease is clogging pores and then creating acne. And so I see a lot of patients who's who definitely find a big correlation in, in the amount of sugar that they eat and the health of their skin. And when they really cut that down, they notice, oh, my skin is less greasy. My, I, don't, I have much less acne. And, um, and so definitely for acne would be one I see um, uh, a lot. And, and the same, like I said, with children, with babies, you know, sugar 
drinking even juice. Uh, they'll, eat, they'll give lots of juice. Children don't need juice. The water is good enough. And um, get have them eat an apple rather than too much apple juice all the time whenever they're thirsty. Because that sugar really does build up, and it will really aggravate uh, um, eczema um, in in the youngsters, uh, you know, definitely. So acne and eczema probably be the two main things, I would say, that I see sugar really impacting. To us a little bit more about acne. Now, that's, I mean, it's a big problem, especially for teenagers and and, and sometimes young adults as well. Um, There are pharmaceuticals out on the market like Accutane, that will get rid of it, but they're incredibly dangerous. I mean, the difference between a poisonous dose and a therapeutic dose is so narrow that you need to have your blood tested on a regular basis to make sure your liver's not being eaten up. It's Yeah, it's a strong drug, isn't it? It's a strong it, it, drug, and, and for women, they have to be on birth control when they take it because... Two, it two kinds. Birth two kinds. <laughs> That's right. They so, have to be at two kinds and sign a waiver that they they're, are taking two kinds of birth control. Yeah, so it, it's a strong medication. So tell us some more about what Chinese medicine has to offer in this realm, both like, like a person would get from someone like you or myself, and then some besides knocking back on the sugar, other things that they can do with their own lifestyle that might help with this. So well, the way Accutane works and, and, and what most patients notice who take it is it's basically drying them out, right? It's trying to lessen the um, amount of grease that's being produced. And, and so it's, it's kind of drying them out. Everyone who takes Accutane is, oh, I feel so dry. My lips are really dry. I'm always thirsty. Uh, you know, uh, all these, their skin gets very dry. And then I always say, you know, when I'm treating acne, I'm doing, I want to do more than just dry you out. It's like we need, there's other factors. We need to lessen grease production, of course, but we, there are other, other things that we are focusing on. And, and a big part of acne that I see, there's two main things that I see uh, in relationship to acne. One is digestive issues. So people will say that there's too much heat building up in the stomach, and that and that is ca- causing that heat to flare up in, onto the face. Heat in the stomach type of acne often comes, they have really juicy zits, you know, very greasy, greasy face, and, um, you know, big, big zits uh, as well, uh, you know, maybe on their cheeks and all these areas. And, and the, but then we look at their, their digestion, they're like, oh, you know, I really uh, often have this um, looser bowel, quite stinky poop. It has a bit of a burning sensation. And so what I'm doing in Chinese medicine is I'm going to, I want to focus on taking that heat out, cooling things off in the stomach, that that, that these things that are in the stomach that are in there uh, agitating the stomach, we will, we'll settle, we'll we'll calm it down using herbal medicines. And then, and thus doing, we notice that the skin becomes less greasy, the, 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 these big inflamed lesions, uh, zits are calmed down and the, and their digestion is calmer they feel better they don't always feel like they're always hungry or or they that they're they're embarrassed to leave the toilet because it's so stinky in there you know when after they go and and it's just you know so a part of it is digestion we're helping digestion or the opposite like i have i have an acne patient right now she was lucky to have a bowel movement once a week so i'm helping my the big part of helping this woman's acne is just to get her to poop every day there's no real strong 
medicine in there that's drying her out like Accutane. It's just actually helping her to have a bowel movement every day. And in thus doing, heat and toxicity isn't building up and wanting to go out on the skin. It's going to go out through the bowel movement. And then she's going to feel much better in her belly, but also in her skin. And um, and so, you know, in terms of lifestyle, well, sugar, we talked about, well, it's also things that help to have a regular bowel movement. So, it, you know, water, drinking enough water, eating enough vegetables so you get that vegetable fiber that can help with the um, – the, the digestion with women I you know some women they eat really well they have a good lifestyle but they just don't like going to the bathroom at work or or at their boyfriend's house and so it's so I, we have to work on that we say look you know you have to figure out ways so you can still have a if you feel the urge to have, go have a bowel movement you do it rather than feeling embarrassed to have it at your workplace or something because allowing things to build up is a big cause of acne and uh, exercise is really important for acne because that's going to get uh, uh, the blood moving in, in um, and all the fluids in the body moving. And also it allows the body to uh, use up sugar better and reduces stress. So stress is uh, common. Uh, they've done lots of studies showing that, you know, in students, say, who are studying for an exam, they get their acne is worsened. And so, you know, finding ways to uh, manage that stress, as I talked before, is going to really help the acne. So getting out and exercising and, and uh, meditating or whatever one needs to do to help reduce their stress. Uh, what else can they do? You know, another thing that people do is minimize, be gentle on your face. And, you know, people are a little bit too strong in how they uh, treat their skin. So, like they'll use really strong exfoliations and go to the salon and get all, you know, all these really abrasive things on their skin. And what happens there is, you know, if, we, if we're too rough on the skin and we, we scrub it too hard with a face cloth or we use too strong these chemical peels all the time, then what that's doing is it's sloughing off old skin. And then, it, and then we feel our skin. It feels, oh, it's nice and smooth. Oh, nice. But what it also does is it's stimulating the production of more oil and the production of more protein, keratin in the skin, to be produced. And those are the things that are clogging the pores in the first place. So, you know, these some of these strong exfoliations that women will often do, you know, that feels good the first couple of days. And then a week later, they're like, oh, I have more zits. I'm like worse than before kind of thing. And then they get into this vicious cycle. So as one of my teachers say, you know, the best thing to wash your face is just simple uh, gentle, mild soap and warm water, fingertips only, no face cloth, you know, splash your face and then pat dry. Keep it very, very simple keep and keep it simple. Very important. Yeah. When treating acne, generally speaking, how in, in, in your practice, how long does it take before people start to notice the results for themselves? You know, it really, uh, there's a wide range in the presentation of acne. I mean, it, it can be really superficial, and, you know, just a few, some on the forehead to really deep and cystic, painful and, and covering the chest and back even. And so it really depends on the presentation. But in general, I will see some patients within the first two weeks, they're noticing, wow, I have much less uh, activity feeling uh, uh, that the ones I do get, they clear faster, this kind of thing. To someone like a, a woman who her acne only flares up premenstrually for that week before she's going to have a menstruation, and they're usually quite stubborn and deep, 
I mean, it may take up to three months. Um, so I generally say my general rule of thumb with acne and most anything I see is give it at least six to eight weeks, really, if, to see if it's going to make a difference. You may see changes within the first two weeks, but really try to hold out there for at least six weeks, even eight weeks, and and then if and then decide, okay, this is this is working or not working. And um, but yeah, I'd say. Two to six, two to eight weeks, generally we see that it's making a difference. And either A, it's worth continuing. Like a, most people for acne, I will see, will see me maybe five to eight months is pretty typical until we get the skin to be stable and then they come off treatment. But we see good changes within those, say, first two to six, two to eight weeks. You know, and like you say, it, it won't necessarily go away immediately, but you'll notice the character of a change. That's right, exactly. And as long as you're noticing the changes and you're moving in the right direction, then you know you're headed in the right direction. That's right, exactly. I, I, I want to uh, switch the topic just a little bit for a moment. Uh, I'm curious about sun damage and sunscreens. You know, there's, there's a big thing here that, oh, if you go out in the sun, you've got to put all these chemicals on your skin and protect yourself from the sun. What's your take on, on protecting the skin from the sun? Uh, from the Chinese medicine perspective, yeah, you know, it um, it's a big topic right now, isn't it? Is like so. I mean, there's a lot of different things related to the sun that we have to be aware of. Definitely, the sun is hot and drying. It's going to dry out the skin. It's it's going to cause more wrinkles. It's going to make the skin more leathery over time. I mean, I saw a picture once of a. Buddhist monk who hadn't, you know, lived in the monastery and and didn't go out hardly ever outside in the uh, in the sun, and his skin looked like a baby's bum, right? It was soft and plump and moist, and he, you know he was what eighty years old, versus this uh, Indian woman who was out in her farm gardening every day in the hot sun in the the you know maybe in Arizona or something, and it was leathery and wrinkly and and um, dry. And so, you know, the sun definitely is going to make changes to the skin. But we need the sun, I tell people. Like, the, we, the, it's well known that we get more than just vitamin D from the sun. You can't avoid the sun and expect you're going to get all your vitamin D uh, requirements uh, from uh, whatever, a, a pill. And because it's actually, we, there's more than just vitamin D and and we we're best designed to assimilate vitamin D via our skin than through our digestion and but we get more that for our health than just that it helps our circulation it it does so many things for us that i think the sun is very important so first i say don't be afraid of the sun the sun is our friend uh, we need to be out in it and and letting it do its magic on us and improving our health so the the thing with issues related to uh, skin disease, say like skin cancers or, um, you know, there's conditions that we get directly related to skin damage, uh, sun damage, which is uh, actinic keratosis, or we call solar keratosis, that are very common in elderly people. They get like red and raised and the yellow scale, and they can be precancerous, so part particularly basal cell, uh, squamous cell, carcinomas, and then even melanoma. So, but the main thing here is it's often related to burning. So the more one burns, the more likelihood that they're going to develop some kind of weird thing later in life. So minimizing burning is really important. It's th that doesn't mean you shouldn't get sun. The sun, we need sun. 
but it means uh, being careful in the sun. So get out in the sun every day. You know, some people are like, they live indoors all year. And then all of a sudden, they, you know, oh, I'm going to go to Hawaii for two weeks. And then they get out and sit on the beach and then they, they burn like crazy. Right, they cook. It's like they cook and they should be out every day, any day it's sunny, even if it's in the wintertime, get out and, and let that sun get on your skin. You're going to be much less likely to burn if you're getting regular exposure in any limited way that you can. Then, and then let's say you're going to be out in the sun for a long period of the day and you know oh, if I'm out too long I'm I'm susceptible to burning my skin type. Well, the best number one thing is wearing clothing. You know, wear a long sleeve light shirt, uh, wear a hat um, is going to be very very important to help. That's going to be your best protection. And then it's say, well, I'm out on my out on the water on my kayak and the rays are bouncing off the water onto my face. Wearing a hat isn't good enough if I don't put something on my skin to protect it. I'm going to have, I'm going to have a lobster face and, uh, and I got to be careful. So then I look at, well, sunscreens can be very important, but there's two different kinds of sunscreens, right? So one is where we use chemical ingredients that, that your skin absorbs and filters the sun. So it's trying to filter the sun. Now, these are chemicals, and, and these are the ones that we always hear are a bit controversial. Are these linked to more skin cancer and all these kind of things? So I generally tell people, avoid sunscreens that use chemicals that filter the sun. And they have names that I can't even pronounce. I mean, they're, they're big names. The other kind of sunscreen is where they use a type of mineral that it just sits on the surface of the skin that reflects the sun rays. So those would be what I think people would have, traditional peoples would have used for a long time. And so anything that's going to sit on the skin and reflect it. Of course, they, uh, they don't look so nice on your skin because they're not being absorbed in as well. But they're going to do the best job. And so in a modern world, probably one of the main ones I think is the safest is going to be zinc oxide. So the non-nanoparticle. So the nanoparticle types are, they're really minor and they can really get, they think they can even get into the bloodstream. But the, the regular zinc oxide that we've been using for thousands of years, which is just a mineral, just sits on the surface. And I think it's actually quite benign. It's quite a, a useful mineral and reflects the sun and uh, and does quite well. And you can you get these in a mixture of uh, shea butter and, you know, other ingredients that are quite safe. And uh, I'm sure there's lots of different brands out there in the health food stores. But I always say look for non-nano-sized zinc oxide in a natural base. And, and so what I do is I just – I wear long – if I'm going to be out in the sun, I'll wear like a long sleeve shirt if, in case I'm worried about burning. And then – uh, my face, because I'm like Northern European descent, um, Scottish, Danish, Swedish, Norwegian, so all these Northern places, I, I'll definitely burn if I'm not careful. So I'll put a little bit of a zinc oxide-based natural cream around my nose and my cheeks. But that's about it. I don't really put it elsewhere. I'll rely on clothing for the other areas. And then after sun, I think, is really important. So putting something on our skin after we've been cooking in it, you know, because it is drying and it can dry out the skin is to use some type of moisturizer. One of my favorite for after sun is just as pure as possible aloe vera. I love aloe vera. I think it's such a fantastic plant. And it really, there's lots of research showing that it, it really helps to prevent uh, radiation damage um, uh, of any sort, whether it's from x-rays or from, from the sun, and really helps to uh, repair the skin. So I, I always keep a jar 
I was taught this by my first herbal teacher back in 1991, Dr. Terry Willard. I keep a jar of 99.9% organic aloe vera gel. Uh, I think it's desert lily. It comes from Arizona or Texas, wherever it comes from. I keep it in the fridge. There's always a jar in there, and I use it uh, religiously after every time I'm out in the sun and I, and I'm definitely been cooked a bit. I put that on and, and it feels so good. And, it, and it really, you know, by the next day, I, you, I don't have a burn. If I, if I even have the slightest indication of a burn, that aloe will really clear it up really fast. And I actually use that aloe, uh, for any kind of burn. If I burn myself on the stove or the kids burn themselves on the stove, the first thing we grab is the aloe vera from the fridge and it really helps to cool things off and it helps to repair the skin to prevent any scarring and, and any damage. Yeah, my wife uses it on mosquito bites. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I, I think my son would love that. He's, he, he's looking for remedies for mosquito bites right now. Yeah, that, she, she loves it. And I found it to be helpful as well. Oh, good. Yeah, because it takes yeah, that heat out. It takes, you know, it's it's fantastic. And, it you, you know, you think about, like, okay, where is the most sun in the world? It's going to be in a deserty place. Where does aloe come from? From a deserty place, right? There you go. So it's like, uh, it's it's nature's gift to us for, for dealing with uh, sun-related issues where there's the sun is putting too much heat into our skin. Well, hey, listen, I know you've got to get back to uh, what you're doing over there here. Any sort of parting uh, advice that you'd have for our listeners if they're looking to treat some skin issues? Yeah. First off, I, I say dermatology is the oldest specialty in the world in China. It's It was seen as a specialty, I think, since Confucius times, around 300 BC or whatever. If it, You know, if you had an issue with your skin, often you would be brought to a specialist who treats sores or whatever, something going on on the skin. So, and it's been practiced up to this present day. And you look at literature over that time, it just gets more and more advanced, more and more skin diseases and more and more treatments for that. And so it's a very, I think what the Chinese have done uh, over the past long period of time is they've gotten really good at understanding skin disease and skin issues and then learning what to do about it. And I've seen that in, in the story I said with my wife that for the first time in her life, she had relief of her eczema. And it, it was a relief that lasted for a long time after treatment. So I think, you know, Chinese medicine, particularly Chinese herbal medicine more than acupuncture, is very good for the treatment of skin disease. So this, but of course, it needs to be from someone competent, right? So I always tell my patients, look, you know, seek out someone who who has a good grasp of, of herbal medicine, but also has experience in treating skin disease. So you can ask them, well, have have you treated eczema before? <laughs> do you do you uh, do you have training in treating eczema? Because I think that's really important. I think it's really important to have that experience and extra training, and to get the best result. And um, so you know. A, yes, Chinese medicine is amazing for skin disease and dermatological problems. And, and B, do, do, I encourage people to do their homework. Look for someone who, who is skilled. And uh, there's lots, I'm sure there's lots of skilled people all across North America, all across the world. It's just do a little bit of homework and investigate. You know, in China, I, I remember, I think it was Volker Scheid said, uh, it's common in, you know, a family, you know, the, grandma has a health condition and they'll, 
they'll go to like 10 different practitioners, the whole family together, and they interview this doctor. Go, okay, well, you know, do you think you can treat my grandma? And, you know, what, what, uh, what do you think is wrong with her? And what, what are you going to do about it? Do you have any experience treating things similar? And they do this to about maybe six, ten different doctors. Then they go home and have a family meeting and go, who do you think is the most competent? Who do you think can, can really actually treat this? And, and so I, I think that's important for us. We, you know, we have to investigate and go, okay, who looks like they know what they're doing? Because it, it really can make a difference. And that's something I really feel passionate about is in order for Chinese medicine to really make its mark, you know, we have to we, we have to get that extra training and we have to get that extra experience and prove it. And, um, and so I encourage people to do that. Seek it out. Seek out someone who is competent and I'm sure you'll do really well and, and get some good relief because it really is miraculous to me. I mean, I love, I love watching how her medicine can clear up something someone's had for, I mean, I get 70 year old women with psoriasis they've had for 50 years and then in a few months of herbal treatment, they're they're like 60, 70 percent clear. And it, it's mind boggling. It, it, it blows my mind. I, I love it. It's great stuff. Well, Trevor, thank you so much for being here on the show today. Yeah. Thank you, Michael, for for calling. And uh, I, it's been my pleasure to be on the show. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Everyday Acupuncture Podcast. If so, please take a moment and visit www.everydayacupuncturepodcast.com where you can click on the review on iTunes button to rate and review the show. Doing this helps other people to find the show. Also, you can express your appreciation by supporting the show with a donation. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in again next time. Next time.